Hey guys, Chance Weber, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, we had marketing genius Chance Weber join us. Chance is the founder of Agile & Co., a marketing company that uses a data-based approach that allows your marketing strategy to adapt to changing opportunities. But what we really loved most about hanging out with Chance today was that uh, it wasn't just his success in his company, it was just how Chance goes about his everyday life, building his team, caring about his clients, and just his giving nature in general. We dove deep into how he has created a workplace environment and community culture at his office where everybody that he hires wants to be there. They choose to be there and how he really cares about each one of his employees and what he does to give them the space to grow inside the company. Chance is an incredible leader and you will hear that in the beginning parts of this podcast. One of my favorite parts though, outside of that, was when we jumped into the giving side and really heard some uh, a cool perspective of how Chance likes to give. And it might not be as conventional as some of the other people that you've heard on on the show before. Chance is definitely somebody that we can all aspire to learn from, just from his giving nature and his positivity. And I'm sure that if you hang out through this entire episode, you will leave wanting to go bigger with whatever you're doing so that you can give bigger in your heart because that is one thing Chance made clear to us. So let's jump into another one of my favorite episodes with Chance Weber. All right, we're excited to welcome our new friend, Chance Weber, to the show, dude. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I'm I'm super excited. We were just chatting that, uh, you know, one of our mutual friends, Jake Fletcher's made some intros to us and anybody that he gives me an intro to, just their ethos at their heart is they just love giving. And when they come on this show, they just want to pour their hearts out and talk about uh, maybe a topic they don't get to spend a lot of time talking about on other podcasts and stuff. So I'm really excited to dive into that a little bit later on. But you have a wild rags to riches story. <laughs> and I'm, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to dive into it because uh, anyone that looks up you sees that you have a or you had a 483 credit score, which is literally the lowest I've ever heard of. Like I didn't even know it could go that low, and uh, <laughs> have gone on to go create uh, an eight-figure successful marketing company, which is absolutely amazing. You're you know uh, mentored and supported by a lot of incredible people, and I'd love for you to just on the go big side of this podcast, give us the cliff notes of how do you go from from having a 483 credit score and having to bore off a line of credit to starting a company and now scaling that to be so impressive and uh, and have so many accolades and accomplishments. Yeah, thank you for that intro, man. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that I would say is it's just, it, it's not a me thing. <clears throat> That's where people get, you know, the, the team that I have here in my office is, I, I've been fortunate enough to build a team around me that's actually better than I am. Like they, they truly are better 
than I am. Um, I'm a digital marketer. People come to me, people see me, can have speaking engagements and people refer to me because I'm kind of like the face of this company, but there's absolutely no way that we would ever be where we're at without the people that I have here in my office. Um, and that's, that's a number one thing as far as scaling, you know, obviously there's been a lot of stages for me to get to where I'm at now, but if I look at specifically over like the last five years of going from a company doing a few million dollars, you know, crossing the 10 million mark and growing with the rate that we are, um, that, that's, that is my people like that. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's not a me thing. It's truly not. Uh, there's, there's nobody that is, you know, uber successful in this world, way beyond anything that I've ever done that doesn't have a hellacious team behind them. It's just, you can't do it. It's that simple. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited to dive into this because it's just, it sounds like you have one of the coolest cultures, uh, that you've created inside of your company and why you're so successful. Um, I just want to start by asking, like, where did you get the leadership qualities and skills from to recognize like, Hey, this is bigger than me. I need to put people smarter than me around it. I want to actually be a leader for a team. Like, where did you learn those skills originally? Yeah, from mentors. I mean, that's I've I've been fortunate enough to have some incredible mentors in my life. I mean, to me, Andy Priscilla is is somebody that has built a culture. I don't know if you guys know who Andy yep. is or, or First Form is, but to me, like First Form, if I could wake up tomorrow and own one company in the world, it would be First Form. That that's that's honest to God truth. I mean, Apple's way bigger. There's a whole lot of companies that are way bigger that would make you a lot more money as an owner. I would rather own First Form than any company in the world. If I could just wake up and snap my fingers and own a company. And the reason for that is, is the culture that they have and the people that they have. And if you guys are ever fortunate enough to be able to like visit their HQ or be around that business, man, it is unlike anything that, that I have ever seen. These people bust their ass. Like they are some of the hardest working people that you could ever employ. But what makes it so beautiful, one of the big things that I think that they've been, they've done a great job at is their people don't look at their work as work. They love being there. So his mentorship, and I've had a couple other mentors on smaller levels, just seeing their blueprint, seeing what they've done. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I've heard First Form has been valued at a billion with a B. So looking at a, you know a model like that and going, okay, like wh what what are they doing? What is their culture? I think looking at and having these mentors and studying what they have has been a lot of what's pushed me to do things that I have. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I think that's an old school culture, we've seen a big shift in in work-life balance and working from home. You know, COVID really mixed up the world a lot, right? Um, but we were doing all this stuff way before COVID. But, you know, one of the big things that I truly try to focus on is I don't want my office to feel like work. I mean, are there times when you come in where you're going to have a day that's not so fun? And, and, and things aren't going to go your way. Yeah. I mean, welcome to life. Right. But I don't want my office to feel like this dreaded place. And to me, a big piece of that is by providing a culture and freedom to people and empowering them to control their own path. So for example, I don't even know how many years I've had this now. I've been in business for 11, 12, going on 12 years. We have unlimited paid time off. I actually, it's, it's this, this meeting's at an ironic time to answer this question because I had my quarterly reviews for the final quarter of 2022 with my team this morning. And I'll give you a perfect example. I have a copywriter on my team. This girl has had the world collapse on her over the last three months. Um, her car got broken into and stolen. Uh, we, she's here in the city in St. Louis. Um, we had a hellacious storm, winter storm here recently. 
it was like negative 40 windshield. She had a pipe burst in the apartment above her that flooded her entire apartment and all of her stuff was damaged and everything else. She has not been here much. I mean, she just hasn't. And, and that's because we give unlimited paid time off. This goes back as far as I can remember. Like my whole thing is you do you just get your work done. That's all I care about. You do you take care. Life, life can be hard. And this girl, we actually just did her review. This is, man, this is the stuff that ma makes me excited because I'm just, I'm so happy for her. The month of December, she was here like half of the month. Like her whole apartment flooded. All this terrible stuff happened to her. She had the best production month as a copywriter she's ever had in working oh. in this company through hell. And I, I literally sat her down and, and, and I said, listen, like your freedom and leash with me is so long. You don't ever, I, don't ever tell me what you're doing, where you're going. I, I, I care about you. So I want to know you're having fun and you're living your life, your best life. But like you, you are like, you're done. Like as far as I'm concerned, you have my ultimate trust and freedom. And I'm like, you know, you've been through some really hard stuff, but to show you some light at the end of the tunnel here as your employer, like you could never possibly have gone through something more that's built more trust. You just had your best production month in one of the hardest months of your life. Like you do you. So I really try to instill that in my people and giving them that freedom. Um, and what I have found is, is that when you give people the freedom to control their own scheduling and what they want to do, they actually work harder. So everything is tracked in my business. We have time tracking and I'm all the next thing you know, I got people working 60, 70 hours a week and I have to go have a meeting with them and say, you're working too much. Like, I love you. Thank you for giving your heart and soul to this company, but I need you to have a life too. And I think when you take this type of approach, like I, it's not lip service. I care about my people. I, I want them to have a great life, not just be an employer for my company. So I think when you take that approach, it really changes the dynamic within a business. And it's something that we've had a lot of success with. I think it's a reason that we've been able to retain people a lot longer, uh, especially hiring a lot of young people. I think it's because we've had that ability. Um, you know, I've got a, one of, one of my up and coming account managers was a math teacher. She's got her master's degree and we had a big snowstorm coming in the same one. And I, I, I messaged him. I was out of town traveling for business. I messaged him. I said, don't come to work tomorrow. Like the storm is coming. We didn't know how bad it was going to be. It was more cold than snow. And I'm like, don't come to work. She was crying I, because like, she was so happy, you know, just cause she, she worked in a, the teaching world, you know, for 11 years. And now she's here. And she's like, that would have never happened. Like we would have had to go to school and then figure it all out. And she's so happy just for those little things. So the things that some of us take for granted, especially as entrepreneurs, make a hell of a difference to people when you give them those same freedoms. Absolutely, man. And that's, uh, I think there's something so cool about that culture where you just give the freedom to your employees, the absolute trust there. And uh, as long as they're production, it, it kind of puts the production on them, you know, where they have to make the choice. Like, do you want to be a part of this company or do you not? Because if you don't perform, you probably won't be a part of this company. But if you're with us, we're going to take care of you and make you feel really good. And sometimes it goes so much further than an end of year bonus for a few thousand dollars or anything like that. Um, what what do you have? Do you have like a set of core values for your company? Do you have like when they onboard, is there something that you have that you give to them where it's like, this is the culture here. And if you don't fit into this kind of culture, you're probably not going to last. Like, do you have a core values type system? Yeah, I mean, we do We do hire on our core values. So I've got, you know, formulated uh, questions for every different level of position that are all based around my core values in some way, shape, or form. But one of the big things that we've done different, and, and I've got to come up with something new because I've been on so many damn podcasts and speaking engagements. So I've, I've given away my secret so many times now that I'm just, I actually gave it on David Meltzer's TV show. So I, it's done at this point. But 
One of the things that I've done for years now is with our hiring process, we actually write our job description with grammar and spelling errors. And at the very bottom of it, we put a sentence that basically says, do not apply through this job or let's say it's, you know, whatever, indeed, we will put, do not apply through this job board. However, please send your resume to, you know, careers at agileandco.com and put your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle in the title and highlight all the spelling and grammar errors in this job description. It immediately eliminates 19 out of 20 applicants. I don't even look at them. You could have the best resume. You could be the best person on paper ever for me to hire. It doesn't even make it to my inbox. It gets filtered. The people that apply the right way come to my inbox. So my filtering system, I'm immediately, I've got 19 out of 20 people gone because in my job or what we do as a digital marketing agency, you're talking about Google ads, Facebook ads. If you put an extra zero on a bid, or if you're running ads on a weekend for a company that's not open, I mean, you could spend tens of thousands of dollars in 24, 48 hours with one mistake. So if you do not have attention to detail, you cannot work for me. If you are just somebody that is applying to every damn job that might make sense to you, you don't have the love and respect for this company that I need you to potentially have. So it's something that, again, I've told this to so many people now, I actually have ran into people, I've ran into companies doing the same thing. Um, and, and damn it, it was my original idea. I didn't even get it from somebody. I made, I did this on my own and now I've seen other companies do it. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one to ever think of it, but, but yeah, man, that's something that we've done that's very outside of the box. And it's crazy when you do something like that. Then you actually get somebody interview tone, like in, in an interview setting, not tone, sorry. You get them in an interview setting, they're like, man, when I got to the bottom of that job description, I was like, this is a place that I want to work because mm-hmm. you're different. You're different. Like, this is different. I've never seen this before. This is different. So it, it, it hooks people and it's really been a way for us to filter folks that don't have that attention to detail that are absolutely required in order to work here in any capacity. And that is super smart. And congrats on just that creativity. And it leads perfectly into the question I wanted to ask even before having that context. So two yeah. part, two part question. The first part, how have you worked on in the past, like your skill of communication, whether that be to team, to clients, to, you know, people within your close circle, et cetera, you know, as a leader and as a marketer, communication is, you know, essential. How have you worked on that practice or that skill? You know, I think I'm, I'm not the person to pat myself on the back, but I think I'm, I'm a naturally gifted communicator in general. I think that's why I've been, even in sales before I started a business, I've been in sales. I think it's just something that's always come naturally to me. But the one thing that I will say that comes to mind when you ask that question is surrounding yourself with high level people mm-hmm. and the conversations that you see that they have. You know, I, I, you go through a lot of journeys in life. Like, you know, I, again, 483 credit score, I had no income to thinking all I ever wanted to do was make $100,000 and you make $100,000 and you make half a million dollars and you make an, you know a million plus dollars a year. You go through these different things of life and it's through those phases of life, you surround yourself with like different levels of people. And it's, you know, there's a lot of ego things that I, that I went through personally where it's like, I could buy this. I bought that car. I have a lake house. I have this new half a million dollar boat. You know, like right now I'm talking about buying a plane with a guy, you know, these things and Man, like heavy hitter people, they, they don't talk about that shit. They just wait. Can I say that on your on your podcast? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're Sorry. Right. Sorry. I'm a pretty pretty free speaker, but they don't talk about that shit. They really don't. Like, I mean, they they you know in passing, but they're not like, look at me, look what I have. And that was a big thing. I'm just a learning lesson, an evolution of success and growing is by going through different levels of people. Like, 
yeah, when I hear somebody say that, I'm excited for them. You know, like I, I'm excited that they're doing that. That's one of the biggest things with like a loser mentality. People are like, oh, he's going to buy a plane. What, 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 a, what a dick, you know, like what an asshole. No, 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 no. The people that buy planes are probably some of the most giving people on the face of earth. You just don't know them. You don't have them in your life. You're not around them. Right. So, you know, for me, I think when I look at that to kind of answer your question indirectly is one of the biggest things that's helped me is getting around more high level people. And I'm constantly pushing myself to surround myself with more people. You know, I went up, uh, a coach of mine, a good friend of mine, coaches Mac Jones. He's the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. So we took, we flew up private to the Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots game on Sunday, went to the game, got to meet Mac, got to meet several other players. And just that being around people like that, you know, these are all people that are making millions of dollars a year, very successful with their craft. You know, you, be, you get yourself around people like that a lot more and you see the conversations that high, high level achievers have and the way that they think and the way, the way that they process things and the way that they push people and their, their gratitude. It's just that has really changed and kind of evolved, I think, me and my approach to just people. I want to be around as many of those people as I can possibly be around. And in order to be around them, you know, you have to be able to communicate with them. And I think just sitting back and being a good listener and observing in those situations is what makes all the differences. Yeah, well said, man. And and Randy and I have definitely lived uh, a very similar experience through the masterminds that we've been a part of and the growth that we've gone uh, gotten just from being in the same room and being quiet and listening and observing. And and then you know you, you take that lesson or that tidbit and then you apply and you implement and you know you take that action. But along the lines of that communication question, I was asking you. How do you increase like the creativity in that in marketing specifically? What do you mean? Like, how do you continue to remain fresh for being able to work with so many different clients without just having like the same like repertoire of here's the here's the 10 or 12 things that you do to, you know, on a hook or on a sales piece? I'm with you never. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. Yeah. So a lot of this, man. It's almost like I told you to ask me this question because it feeds right into the name of my company and how, how we rebrand it. So one of the things that I think makes us very different in this industry as a whole is our methodology. So there's something called agile methodology. I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with it. It's big in the tech development. So when a tech company takes on a certain type of development project, they have different phases to it. They have sprints. They have different pieces that they want to hit and how they manage this project. But the whole concept of agile methodology as a whole is, hey, here's the project we're going to move and shape with this as things come and they fall to us. So with my agency, or let me back up, in the agency world, in the marketing agency world, what's normal is a company will will pitch you a retainer and they'll say, hey, client or hey, prospective client, this is a 12th deal. We're going to go run $5,000 a month of Google ads, you know, $7,000 a month of Facebook ads, uh, $10,000 worth of SEO, four blogs a month and this, and they script it and they say, this is what we're going to go execute for the next year. Well, the problem with that is, is that some of those things, some of those services are going to work and perform, and some of them aren't. But yet you've got this contract that says, these are the services we're going to go deliver for the next year. Well, who the hell wants to pay for something that's not working? Right. Like our, our, my industry is very broken. So with us in the agile marketing methodology, my proposal is extremely different. We outline a month one plan. So it's like, we have a big picture plan. These are the things we're trying to do. These are all the services that we can try. These are the test pilots we're going to run. This is the creative ways that we think we can get in front of your prospective clients. This is how we think we can hook them and turn them into a lead. But this is where we're going to start on month one. And then every single month, and this, this did hurt my margins a little bit because it's more time for my team, but every single month, my team sits down. I'm still actually involved in probably 80% of these meetings because I feel like if I get out of them, I'm going to lose my touch. 
But we sit down and we build the plan for the next month. Well, how do we build that plan for the next month? It's based off of two main things. Uh, the needs of the client. So like they need something done on their website or they need a, they're releasing a new product or service. So they need to run ads on it. Or more importantly, the data. So if I told you to spend $7,000 last month on Facebook ads and drove four leads and turned into zero sales, I don't think we should probably do that again. Right? right? Like we either need a massive strategy shift through that channel or we need to reallocate that money to somewhere else that did perform. So from a methodology standpoint, we are very month to month go with the flow. I am not a marketer that believes in these big long-term plans. I'm all about goals. I'm all about trying to hit certain numbers and metrics and understanding your KPIs. I'm, I'm all about it. But to execute is on such a more granular level in the digital marketing world where things are changing and moving. Every single day, week, month, there's seasonalities to things and different products and services. So, you know, that's one way that we function and that makes us very different. And it actually forces us to bring this full circle to get directly to answer your question. It forces us to be more creative because we can't just go check off these boxes and go on autopilot for the next year. We have to bring you, our client, a new plan every single month. So there is no cruise control. There is no set it and forget it, which is very common in my industry. And that's why it gets a bad reputation. So that is it. We're forced. We, we basically, our logistical system that we operate on forces us to be creative and generate new ideas and stay cutting edge and run new test pilots. That's so cool. I love that. And uh, I think that's a testament to the company you're creating is genuinely that you actually care about this industry. You know, when you started it, it wasn't just like a money making machine. It was like you genuinely care. And I think that's a common theme I've heard through all your marketing, even on your podcast and how you deliver is that, hey, I genuinely care. And one of the things you also say a lot of is you have an uh, innate skill or ability to simplify the message so that um, clients can understand it. Can you walk us through what that looks like? Because guys like me, I don't know a ton of stuff. I just, you know, I hear ROAS and I hear all this other stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means when people are explaining it. Yeah. Blow your ROAS up and your client click per client and all the things. <laughs> talking about dude and like yeah and then you get numbers thrown at you you know seven thousand eight thousand you're like this makes no sense to me and i know you have a skill for that so walk us through why you use that and, and how it benefits yeah you know i i look at something like this i don't really think it's a skill set but for whatever reason it is you know roas um you know it, it, are there more some entrepreneurs and and high level marketing people within companies that are more involved in the acronyms of this world than others yeah of course but generally speaking an entrepreneur needs to run his or her business they don't, they don't want to sit down and talk about every damn CPL, CPA, ROAS, I mean, click-through rate. Nobody, people don't care. How much money am I going to put into this? How many leads, or if it's e-com, sales can I drive from it, right? And if it's leads, how many sales can I then turn into those you know, leads into sales? So to me, I, I just refer to it as human language. My whole thing that I always tell every prospective client and or for that matter, a, a current client is, I'm going to tell you this in human language from a 30,000 foot view. I will dig as far down into the weeds as you want to. If you want to talk about every damn acronym, we can talk about every damn acronym. If you want to dig into every single data set, we will dig into every single data set. I'm going to start here at the 30,000 foot mark. And if we, if we need to work our way down through this, then we will. But that's one thing that I think has helped me be so successful in business development is so many people in my industry kind of, they might not necessarily have the human or the people skills, but they have the, the skills that are actually executionable, right? but they don't know how to go explain it to somebody in a way that they understand it so they can't sell it very well. Where I have a team full of people that are executors, 
right? And then it's myself and I have a business development guy as well. Like we're our job is to make this and propose what we do to people and help them understand it in a way that they can. So again, every conversation is different. And that's what I always try to tell my team is read the room. You know, I have to tell myself this a lot too. Read the room. If you're a guy that doesn't understand this stuff very well, I have to be able to read the room and understand that, look, you don't get this to certain levels. If somebody else has spent millions of dollars on ads and they've had, you know, an agency or five agencies for that matter that they've worked with, that's a very different conversation than it would be with you. So reading the room and understanding and, and talking to your people at the level that they're at is so important, especially in what I do. Can you teach that or is that something like that, that human awareness like sense? Does that teach? Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. It's hard, but I do believe it's teachable. Yeah, I absolutely do. So a lot of it, you know, we try to be proactive in business as much as we can, but this is one of those things where I think you have to be reactive. So I will get on a call with my account managers or with my uh, my partner, my, my chief marketing officer. I'll get on the phone, on phone calls or video calls like this with her and clients. And I've done this so much and so so long now that I will actually be taking notes for feedback to my team just as I'm taking notes about what the client is saying, what they're doing. And then I will go back with them and say, you said this, I wouldn't have, and here's why. Did you read the room? You threw out CPL. He doesn't know what CPL is. You just lost him. It just went right over his head. You just, it's, you just lost him in that whole purpose and point that you were making. So I think that being reactive and giving that constructive criticism and being able to go back and say, look, you can't do this. And talk, I, I constantly am coaching my team about framing. You have to frame this this way to make sure that they understand it. So is it coachable? Is it teachable? Yes. Do I think there are certain intangible skills in business development and communication that are damn near impossible to teach? You know, you're kind of either born with it or not. Yeah, I think at a certain level that there are. But I can tell you just through my years of having a lot of team members, especially a lot of young kids, uh, watching their growth, man, is is awesome. And it, it absolutely can be taught, uh, but it all starts with awareness and you've got to teach them in the moment on the fly and help them understand how they can be better. But yeah, it's teachable. I think that helps them just as humans in general, just being so aware of what you're saying, yeah. how you're saying it, the room, like work is good when you're talking to clients. It's also good when you're talking to friends and family and you see somebody, you know, getting upset at you and freaking out and you're like, oh man, I wonder what happened to them today that has them so upset, freaking out at me and same kind of thing. So I absolutely love that. The last question I want to ask you before we jump to our giving section here, uh, and a few short bullet point type answers, how do you vet a good marketing company? Because there's so many of them out there, you're getting pitched so often from them. What are a few key components that maybe draw a red flag or or allow you to dive deeper into some of the things that they're presenting to you? Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the things that I, I had a speaking engagement last month, and I actually went on a bit of a, a rant on the stage about how entrepreneurs and business owners as a whole need to have a, take a little more responsibility because I talked to so many business owners that they're, they're pissed, man. Like they've worked with an agency that quote unquote ripped them off and you know, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And I'm like, well, what did you do to make sure that wasn't going to happen? Because my industry, man, like I'm 40 years old. I know I only look 25. I know I'm a really young, good looking guy. No, I'm just kidding, obviously. But uh, I'm 40 years old, right? You've got guys my age in their 40s that live with their mom and dad that have a website that look like they have a legitimate agency. And so it, the waters could be hard to, you know, essentially navigate in my industry. And it can have a black eye because so many people do get so burnt 
on this whole thousand dollar a month dream that doesn't produce any results and then they get pissed so you know what i always try to challenge entrepreneurs is is do your homework like go go do some basic education i think that if you're going into a call with an agency you should understand what click-through rate is you should understand what a cost per lead is or cpl you should understand what conversion rates are i mean look guys we have this tool out there it's called google and you can put you can get a whole lot of answers in about five seconds right so go in and and be able to ask just very simplistic questions and if you don't have somebody that can answer those questions very cleanly and clearly they might not be the right fit for you so you know taking some uh, accountability everybody wants a finger point right they did this they did that they sold me this it didn't work well what did you do you're the one that bought from them right so i'm, I'm fortunate enough at this stage in the game with my business i mean I guess I do, you know, I do do deals from speaking engagements and you know, podcasts and things like that, being a guest. But, you know, honestly, probably 85% of the deals that we bring in are referrals. Yeah. So you don't have to do a lot of this stuff because they're already sold because somebody's telling them, I've been working with these guys for XYZ amount of time and my leads went from six a day to 27. It's already sold before we even get there. You know what I mean? But, but yeah, I think that, you know, that that's a big piece of it for sure. Wait, I just have one other, like more technical question uh, before jumping on, onto the give big side of things, you know, my TikTok and social media and stuff has exploded with chat GPT. Is that something that you guys are already integrating in? Is it something that you guys are like, nah, this tool sucks. Is that something like what's, what's your, I feel like it would take over or support workload, but at the same time, I feel like it can be used an idiot can use it and can kind of take over a part of that market share very very much on our radar there is absolutely testing going on there are things that chat gpt cannot do okay it cannot storytell it cannot do emotion or show or reflect emotion and if you think about those two things right there alone mm. that is marketing mm -hmm. storytelling and and figuring out pain points you know I'm a plumbing company, your toilet's leaking, we're the solution, digging into that pain point, you know, digging into emergency service. Like you could look at this from so many different perspectives of different, you know, specifically service-based businesses, products as well, but it, it we're running tests. So we actually just had an automated uh, workflow. It was four emails, uh, marketing automation, and we had uh, ChatGPT write the sequence of them and I had my copywriter write them. and. Believe it or not, the AI one actually outperformed my copywriter. It was only by like 5%, but it, it outperformed what she did. So, you know, is it on our radar? Yes. Do I think there's benefits for it? Yes. Is it kind of freakishly scary about where it could go, considering this is brand new? Yeah. Do you think that Google is having crazy red alert, you know, uh, meetings internally? Yeah. They are, I'm sure. But I do think that there's always going to be a human element. And what I've always said in marketing, and I, I truly believe, I don't know, man, in, in our lifetimes, I think this is always going to be said to be true. People do business with people. People don't do business with businesses, right? Like there's certain entities out there like Coca-Cola, you know, they, they have a brand. You're not working with a person. But most businesses that are out there, people do business with people. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you look at AI, you're taking away that human touch and we all want to be loved and love other people. We all want to have a human connection and we all want to have things in common. We all want to feel good. We all want to feel 
like we're cared about. We all want to feel like we're helping somebody. You know, all these emotions that you look at automation in general and, and AI and chat GPT and everything that's in this whole world, it's it's missing that element. Like it's missing that piece. And I'm not saying it won't ever be connected, but right here, right now it is. But it is very much on our radar. We are playing with it and utilizing it. And yeah, man, it's it's a wild thing to play with. If, if any of your listeners haven't touched it yet, it's, man, it's fun. I upgraded my wife's wedding ring for Christmas and I, I had it write her a card of why I was upgrading her ring and the sentimental value behind it and how this was the right time. And I just threw it in there because it was just on my mind as I was playing with it back right before Christmas. I'm like, holy shit, like this, this card is written better than my own. I just, <laughs> I know, I just did that last night. I, I was literally sitting beside my fiance and I was like, hey, write a love letter to my fiance that tails our first date at this place. And he wrote this huge letter. I was like, here's, <laughs> here's what you should get for Valentine's Day, babe, because yeah, it's way better than I could put it. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, man, it, it is. It's it's cool. It's it's definitely wild, that's for sure. But, you know, you're responsible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, this is one of the things that I love about the industry that I'm in. It never stops changing, mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Like, you think, oh, Facebook's been here a long time. And Facebook has been overhauled completely with their ads multiple times since it was launched. Google ads are constantly changing. You know, you guys might not see it and users might not see it, but how we use it on the back end and the capabilities of it and the targeting, it's it never, ever, ever ends. Like, it's always changing. And I've always said that change equals opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Change equals opportunity because not everybody's going to change. Yeah. And if you can continuously push to be on the front edge and be innovative and adapt, like, you know how many digital marketing agencies are probably sitting out there that aren't touching ChatGPT? They're not even looking at it. I mean, they're, everybody's aware of it at this point, but they're not actually testing it. We're testing it. I mean, we probably have 50 test pilots going on with it right now where I'm testing it compared to my copywriters. Now, I did have to have a meeting with my copywriters to say, listen, your job is secure. Like this thing's <laughs> not even close to beating you yet because for them, it can be kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but but at the end of the day, you know, change equals an opportunity. And I want to make sure that, that as a team, we are on the front edge of this thing. So if it does become more relevant, it does kind of turn into more of a search engine. And things like that, where people are looking for solutions to problems, I, I, we we've got we have to be there. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, man, it's a wild time. You know that it, it is, uh, man, it's crazy what that thing can do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty cool tool. And I like what you said there about change equals opportunity, because I think most people today are afraid of change. And so, kind of transitioning into the give big aspect of this, what do you think the majority of people need to change? outlook wise to be able to have bigger impact in giving. First of all, you know, we, we kind of hit on this in, in our, our first segment here, but self-awareness, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't give as much as I do. I, I, as I've made more money, I give more money. You know, I will, I will say that, but I am, you know, a believer in God. I do believe in karma. I do believe that you get out of people what you put into them. I didn't believe or feel this way as strongly then we'll say, you know, even five, 10 years ago as I do now. And I think that if you can develop your mindset around what I give, I'm going to get, right? And I'm just constantly aware that like, I'm going to help this person. I actually put a social media post up just a couple days ago. Um, it was a, a day for me where I had a bunch of internal meetings, but I had three business meetings, three initial first time call meetings, all three referrals. There wasn't a single one of them that could begin to afford me. Not one. 
I spent 30 to 45 minutes with every single one of them, even though I identified in the first three to five minutes that they weren't a fit. I made introductions to them. I made email introductions to other people. I told them where I would go. I told them where I would start, where they're at, how I could help them. It was it's just my time. That's all that it was. I got nothing out of that, you know, monetarily, nothing. But I get to go home and lay my, my head down on my bed and I know that I helped three people potentially change the landscape of their business. Maybe they'll come back full circle. Maybe they won't. I don't care because I know and believe that when you give, you get. These things come full circle. Every year I give more, not just monetarily, but more of my time. You know, I do more speaking events for free, unpaid. I do more and more things every year to give and every year I'm getting more. And it's not a coincidence. You know what I mean? And it's not about, you know, it's not about, you know, giving with the expectation of getting. It's just the way that it works. You know, I, I don't have an expectation from those three guys I talked to in that same day. There's no expectation, but I know, I know in my mind that somebody's watching and I really do believe that karma is a good thing and, and people that give get, it's just that simple. We, uh, we talk a lot about giving as like going to the gym. And if you go to the gym once a year, you don't get to get jacked. You, you literally go to the gym once a year and you're right. probably going to get worse. And giving is the same thing. If you only give once a year and write a check at the end of the year, you're not actually building that that like giving core value or a culture in who you are as nature. And I talk all the time about like, to me, givers, ironically enough, are typically the people that like put the shopping carts back at the grocery store that maybe it isn't even theirs or buys a coffee for somebody that maybe isn't affording it or just wants to buy a coffee for somebody. Those are the skills that I think we're learning as givers that make us actually like uh, giving as a, as a core value. What are some of the things you're doing to continue to improve you know, your core value of giving. Cause we talked a little bit before this and you're like, dude, I just love giving. It's who I am. What are some of the things yeah. you're having to practice to, to continue to be that guy? Man, I love, I love what you just said. And, and I'll, I'll kind of, I'm going to kind of step off of your question a little bit and come back yeah. to it. I don't give to any charities. I give to zero charities. I donate zero dollars to charities. I used to, I used to donate thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to St. Jude was a big one, you know, the, the cancer uh, non-for-profit for kids. But then I realized that I needed, selfishly, I wanted and needed the emotional attachment to the giving. So I have a three-year-old and six-year-old daughters. And to me, uh, I grew up, I'm not going to say, I, I was pretty poor. Um, I, I didn't grow up with, you know, very low, middle, maybe middle-class family. I didn't grow up with hardly anything. Um you know, like I was on a private jet on Sunday and my, my parents have wouldn't even begin to comprehend what that is like or what that cost or anything, you know. Um, but one of the things that I started to realize is I wanted that selfishly, I wanted that emotional attachment. I wanted to see the person that I was helping, or I at least wanted somebody to tell me this person is in need, this is what their situation is. Can you help? And the other big thing is is going back to my my children, um, I feel like I need to set an example for them. they're growing up with a life in a life that, you know, I, I couldn't begin to comprehend. You know, my kids are in private school. They see, you know, mom and dad driving two hundred thousand dollar vehicles and lake homes and boats. They they're kids. They don't get what this stuff means. And I don't want them to, but what I my one of my biggest fears as a parent is is them just seeing this like lavish per se lifestyle, but not knowing the hard work that went into it and also not giving. So when my children, or even when they're not in the car, but you know, you see homeless people at the, at the interstate exits. I don't pass them without giving them money. 
ever. And people say, well, they're just going to go buy a bottle of whiskey and drink it. I don't care. If you're in that life and you're in that situation, you go do whatever you need to do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not here to judge the guy. I just want to help. Um, I'm a big tipper at restaurants. I took my family out to eat on Saturday night. It was my three-year-old's birthday party. She chose a restaurant. Uh, the bill was $127. I left $250 tip. That's what I do. And that guy literally came up to me on our way out and almost had tears in his eyes telling me, thank you. He needed that $250. You know what I mean? Like that's the shit that like makes me feel so good. I'm so blessed that $250 means nothing to me. I mean, I will never not value a dollar. I don't, don't take that into context. But you know, like, man, to make a guy's night, like I made somebody's night for a couple hundred bucks. I do it every time. Um, I never am out to eat or at a restaurant ever and see any military person, whether it's an older guy wearing a Vietnam veteran hat or anybody in, you know, whatever they wear, um, I never don't pay for them. Uh, very often I will just pick out a family, uh, at a restaurant. My wife and I will start the conversation and we see people that we think are good model citizens, or at least appear to be that way, you know, that have a good vibe around them and we will pay for their dinner. I never, ever, ever want anybody to know that I paid for it. I don't want them to come up to me. I don't want them to come tell me, thank you. I don't, you know, anytime that we can do it anonymously, that's how we do it. Because to me, you talk about growing, giving. To me, that's how you do it. You know, it's a thing that happens at Starbucks. One person pays for the coffee, then the next person, and they just keep, man, that's how you do it. That's that's what I want to do on my micro level as much as I possibly can. So, you know, I do that constantly, nonstop. Um, it, I don't, I do not get anything with service period and don't obnoxiously tip. Um, and I don't, you know, pass anybody and, and just trying to show this to my children. To me, that's the biggest thing is to show them that, you know, we care about other people and we help in any way that we can. Dude, I got goosebumps listening to that. Cause that's just like, that's just what more of this world needs. Just people that genuinely care. Uh, we had a guy named Brent Pinvidic come on our show. And uh, he talked a lot about that, how he said he actually stopped giving to charities and just started creating his own bank account for his own own non-tax receipt donations, where he would just, yeah. same thing, buy people dinner, somebody needs something, he just does it. Somebody needs a surgery, maybe, stuff like that. And he just does it. And that's what he said. He stopped actually giving to charities and just doing it personally because he loved it. And he never wanted to give for the tax receipt in the first place. He just wants to sell the the support and the reaction of people that's what he says you know he said the same thing that he buys dinner for people but then he sits and watches and doesn't let anybody know and he the reaction that they have <laughs> at dinner is his tax receipt because it's like that's a deposit into him and his happiness so i love everything that you just said it's a hundred and ten percent i can relate with every single thing you just said that you probably even worded it worded it better than i do but that's that is why you know, my wife and I have chosen to do the things that we do and, and give back in those ways. Um, and, and part of it is selfishness. You know, I, I want mm -hmm. that fulfillment. That's just, I mean, I don't want to just write a check. I don't know where the hell that check goes. I, I don't even know if it's going to the right place. But I know what I do is going to where I want it to go. And I know mm -hmm. that it's being appreciated. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's being respected. And that's, you know, that to me means, means more than anything. There was a podcast I was listening to this morning when I was walking my dog. And like two things in that podcast that I took note of that I'm looking back to this conversation we're having right now. Um, it's really cool. One is emotions are contagious. So that emotion that you get from 
you know, the the joy of being able to help somebody else, to be in that position, to be able to help somebody else. And then, you know, the impact that, that might have on their life to then go and like that Starbucks example, go, you know, impact somebody else's life and then blah, 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 the dominoes continue to fall. Like that emotion is contagious. Your wife, your kids, the people around you, your, you know, your, your close circle, your team, et cetera, all that will like, you know, bleed into, into their lives as well. And then uh, what Randy said about um, like having that own little personal bank of, of donations that are like non-taxable kind of stuff is when you have that set up, um, you look forward to it. And when you're looking forward to something, the study was like this crazy person about happiness uh, on this podcast. And um, there's a study that she was reflecting on that shows that when you're looking forward to something, it's proven to make you happier. Like the happiest day before, happiest day uh, during a vacation is actually the day before when you're anticipating the vacation. Yeah. So when you have that, you know, $100 or $5,000 or $10 million, whatever that number is that you're ready to give away, like that is going to help you be happier as a human and then impact somebody else's life as well. But anyways, I just wanted to share that because I thought that was really cool and relevant. Um, transitioning into one of my favorite questions to ask here, um, you know, can you tell us a quick story around one of your favorite moments of giving? Something when you look back onto, you know, still kind of pulls the heartstrings today. Trying to think of one that really, yeah, I've got one that, that, that I can remember pretty clearly. My high school football team, I grew up in a very small farm town in central Illinois. I think my graduating class was like 70 kids, maybe 65. Uh, and I'm still in connection with the high school head football coach there. He is, um, he was 23 years old when he took the job. So he's not much older than I am. <laughs> like I was like 18, you know, and he was 23. So he's still there to this day, but, um, work with him and a lot. I, I've given back to the community and the, in the football program and, you know, donated for things that they need and whatever else. But, um, I put up a post on social media and this was, I think two years ago now that it was clo getting close to Christmas time. And my wife and I, you know, we we call schools and we pay off the 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 past due lunch tabs. You know, we we do things like that. But I put up a post like, hey, if anybody knows uh, of a family in need, you know, please don't post anything here, but shoot me a DM and, and I'll see if I can help them. My high school coach, high, high school football coach, reached out. And he said, hey, there's a, a kid on the team, and there's like I don't remember the exact story, but there was like four or five of these children. Um, mom didn't work; she was a stay-at-home mom. And dad was a police officer and he'd gotten a bad altercation with some guys and broke his leg and basically was fighting, trying to get workers comp. Like he, he wasn't, he was getting zero income and they were on the verge of losing their home. And, uh, I basically called in and got all the information and worked through the whole channels ball. And I, I paid for their mortgage for the whole rest of like the next six months to make sure that these kids, um, you know, were able to keep their home and, and keep their life going until he was able to get those benefits. So, you know, when I think of that one, it gets me a, a little bit emotional because I, you know, my understanding of the story is that they, they were at that point, like they were, they were that close, um, where it was like, Hey, if this isn't paid next week, like somebody's coming to repossess your house, like they'll be knocking on your door foreclose on your home. So to think about that and the impact on those, those kids that that made, that's one of those that I look back on and I'm like, man, you know, that, that makes me feel really good and emotional because if something like that would have happened to my parents when i was a kid they they didn't have the savings they wouldn't have been able to float that for that kind of time they would have been in the exact same situation um and the handwritten notes that i got from them and 
you know, from both mom and dad and, and everything else. I mean, I, I know like I made an impact on those, that family's life that they will never forget. Those kids might not even know. I don't care if they do someday, mom and dad will tell them if they don't. And, and, you know, it's just going to impact all of them. They're all going to remember that for the rest of their lives. And, you know, that, that makes me feel amazing to help out in that way and do that. Dude, and that's one that really sticks with me. That is so rad. And this is my favorite segment of the entire podcast. Cause I feel like I get a deposit listening to these stories and getting people to share stuff that they normally don't get a share of like, dude, the way you light up and you can just see like your energy shift and change when you share these stories. And I think having a platform for, for people to share that, that, that you know, for you at the other time, maybe it's not a huge, significant uh, amount of money for you. It's probably a substantial amount of money, but in context, yeah. it wasn't drained in your bank account, but for them, that is life-changing, man. And that's something that you'll yeah. tell your kids for the rest of their lives and hopefully they can implement into their lives. And, and it's just so rad. So I just absolutely love that story, man. I love that you said that, man. I want to. Th I want to throw something else in there. Just on you saying that. I mean, you guys as a whole, like this this platform and how you're handling this and doing this and asking these questions. I can't tell you how many times that I have been on interviews for articles or podcasts or speaking engagements. I do Q and A. Um, you know, I do the whole networking thing afterwards. Meet people. Nobody ever asks this stuff ever. And when I was looking at the prerequisites and everything that you sent me over about what we were going to talk about today, it, it, may, it fulfilled me. I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is so, could you imagine if there was just an event where people just share shit like this? Like how fulfilling that that is and to hear that, I mean, this doesn't exist. Like, man, I'm a pretty well-traveled networked guy and man, nobody has ever asked me this type of stuff. Well, first of all, I'm not the person who goes and talks about it. Yeah. Like you can go look at my social media. I, I don't, I don't go, Hey, you know who I did this for, but you know, when, when it's in a platform like this, it's not awkward because it, you know, I'm not like boasting. You guys are asking me and I'm answering, but then, you know, how it just made you feel with me telling that story. Well, your listeners feel that same thing. And that we need more of this because there are uh, so many incredible people in this world that give so much that people have no idea even exists and they don't get any kind of credibility like they should. And they're impacting hundreds, if not thousands or millions of people. And nobody even knows. And nobody, nobody, I don't do this for recognition. Nobody does, but it, it empowers people. We talked about contagious emotions. It empowers people to want to do more, want to do their own thing and go help their own family, you know, go, go do whatever. Man, we need more of this. So kudos to you guys and just what you do in this, because I think it's, it's awesome. And I've never man, I've done at least 100, 150 podcasts. Nobody's ever asked me this type of stuff. So I think it's just amazing that you guys do. So cool. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate that. And uh, foreshadowing, there is something coming uh, around this because we think more people need it and more people want to share about it. Good. In the same way that you said, not like we're all going to get on stage and brag about how much money we're donating. Yeah. We're going to come together and share stories about how we had super success with our business and how we did things differently in our companies, our cordials and our core values that just allowed us to want to give like you do when you just tip somebody at a restaurant. So it's coming. So we'll, uh, we'll get good. It's love it. We'll get you in. Let me know. Or shout out for the podcast. So, but we've, uh, we're, good. We're, we're, we're getting a little long cause this has been such a great conversation. I want to hammer out this giving round with you and uh, allow you to get back to your company and culture. So are you good for some rapid fire questions? Yes, sir. I'll do my best. Brego, one charity that you like right now. 
one charity that I like right now. I mean, if I have if I have to go back down to the charity route, I'm I'm still just a big St. Jude guy. I mean, how how can you? I mean, man, I know it's huge, and I know there's a lot of smaller ones that I could talk about. But man, kids, answer what what pulls at the heart more than that? I mean, yeah. it's got it's got to be St. Jude. There's still not if I had to name a charity, there's still just not one that I could ever pull up other than them. What would get you more excited, donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others? 100% spending a week physically helping others. I mean, and especially if, you know, like, well, we kind of already hit on this. Like, I, I'm not about just writing a check to charities anymore. I just, I don't do it. Now, if somebody came to me and said, hey, little kid has cancer and needs this or that, I, I want to write a check to that family. You know, it's, it's having that attachment, knowing that I'm actually helping somebody and not just writing a check. But I would rather go help somebody and give them my time I think for those selfish reasons of I could actually be there and feel like I'm making an impact. You know, once you make a certain amount of money in your life, like money's always important and you always you always care about it, but it, it doesn't become such a vital piece of who you are and how you live. You know what I mean? And I'm, I've been blessed to be at that stage. I would rather be able to go physically help somebody and give them whatever time that I could to, to get them through what they were dealing with. Beautiful answer, man. Uh, who inspires you with their giving? I'm probably the guy I talked about earlier, Andy Frisella. Man, he's just another one of those guys. It's like he won't even talk about what he's done. And then I'll see that he donated a hundred grand to, you know, like during COVID, the St. Louis Blues, he donated a hundred grand to their staff workers. Yeah. Like he writes it, it like I can't wait to be in a position someday where I can stroke those kind of checks to help that many people. You know what I mean? And it wasn't to a charity. It was like to the organization, made sure it directly went into their pockets. That dude, man, he gives so much more than anybody on earth even begins to know that if there's one guy, it's him. I mean, that guy has a heart of gold. He's not for everybody, but damn, man, you cannot judge his character. So he would be the one guy that, um, yeah, I really look up to on that front for sure. Love it. Do you think that entrepreneurs should start including a giving component in their business from day one or wait until they've seen some success and have some money in the bank? Day one. No questions asked. One of my biggest regrets. You know, I did, I did, like I said, as I've made more money, I give more money. And I can't really tell you when this started for me. Uh, I don't like have a specific aha moment or a date. I don't really know when, when this changed for me. But again, being a believer in you get what you give. And being a believer in karma and doing good things for good people always comes full circle in some way, shape, or form. I, I mean, you should be doing it if you don't have anything to give. Help somebody. $10. You know what I mean? It, to me, it's not so much about the monetization of it as is the action of it. You know, it, it's, about, it's about caring and doing the right thing to help somebody if you can. It's not about a million dollars or $10. Whatever you can do, just do it. Help when you can. I think it's more like, again, about the action than the actual monetization of it. So rad. Um, what do you think of when you hear go big to give big? Um, you know, when I, when I hear go big, I immediately think of just entrepreneurs and risk takers. And, you know, that, that's something that I feel like entrepreneurs are so undervalued and just, you know, like we leave it, we live in a society where it's like everybody just needs to go to college for four years, get a degree and go get some job making 50K a year. Man, entrepreneurs, like small business, I think is like 60, 65% of the economy in the United States of America. But yet everybody talks about Amazon, not the small businesses, right? So when I hear go big, 
um, you know, I feel like that's risk taking, do everything you can. And then in return, that allows you, puts you in a situation to give big, right? Like take the risk, make the money and, and pay it forward and give back, you know, to me, that, that's, that's where my mind goes when you say that. Right. Awesome. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Man, it's so many emotions. One word. Um, that's tough. One word. I, gu- I guess if I had to give one word, I would, I would say gratitude. Mm. You know, I, I just feel so grateful to be able to do it. You know, like I wake up all the time and I'm like, I can't believe, you know, how far that I've come. Like, it's just, it's, it's super emotional even after, you know, having success, you know, what would be considered, you know, a high level of success for five, six, seven years now. Um, man, it's just grateful. Like I, I, I'm so thankful to be able to give like the tip $250 on $120 restaurant tab to, to know that like, you know, I don't need that $250 to go buy my groceries. Like just grateful, man. It's just gratitude. That's, that's the biggest thing that that I think of, if there's one word, it just, it makes me feel incredibly grateful. Love that, dude. Uh, the final question we got for you today, do you believe that money can go buy you happiness? Money cannot buy you happiness. I do not believe that. Um, it de- I guess it depends in context, you know, like giving does, does make you feel happy, but, uh, you know, m- money is not, is not happiness. It's a tool to happiness. That's what it is. It's a piece of the puzzle. Um, it, life is much better with money than without it. But being an entrepreneur and seeing and being around guys who's worth hundred millions of dollars that are miserable, they don't give shit to anybody. Um, you know, terrible home life, no friends, man. They had all the money in the world and a terrible life. Like no, and I hate to end this on that note, but it it does not buy happiness. Um, but giving, giving most certainly does, and money's a tool. You know it. Is it is it more fun to fly private or commercial? Is it more fun to fly first class or economy? Is it more fun to be able to go on vacation or not? You know, yeah, you got to have money to do those things. So, you know, it's definitely a tool, but just being rich doesn't make anybody happy. I know a lot of very rich, very miserable people, um, and 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 it it, it doesn't. Maybe temporary, but definitely not long term. Oh man, love that answer, and uh, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. I know we went a little bit longer and we're so gracious for your time, but you just poured so much value into our community and are literally the epitome of everything we talk about on the Go Big to Get Big podcast of guys that are scaling it and then guys that are just using it to just be good humans in this world. So uh, a lot of our audience are going to want to check your stuff out and get in, in touch with your ecosystem and listen to some of your speaking engagements and other podcasts. How can they find you? Where can they uh, learn more about you? Sure. I mean, I've got a couple of websites and Instagram. I mean, on Instagram, my, my handle is chance, C-H-A-N-S-B as in boy, uh, Weber with one B. Uh, my website, personal website is C, uh, is in cat, B, is in boy, Weber with one B, so cbweber.com. And then my company website's agileandco.com, all written out. So any of those three places, man, I I can be reached in some way, shape, or it will thank you so much for for stopping by joining us and just inspiring us to continue to go bigger with our dreams and goals so we can continue to give bigger with our profits man it's uh it's been an absolute pleasure thank you guys for having me it's been my honor thank you for listening to the show if you know someone who's an example of go big to get big we would love if you could share this with them 
We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.